Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Scott Adams, which is exactly what this is. If you'd like to take this experience, and yes, it's an experience, up to levels that nobody can even understand with their tiny human brains, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice or stein, a canteen jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine of the day, the thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip, and it's going to happen right now. Go. Oh, my goodness, that was good. I feel sorry for anybody drinking water when it's coffee time. Well, we got uh, all kinds of stories. I'm going to jump right into them because I know you're people of action, aren't you? You're people of action. Um, There's a new app called the Dignity app that will add clothes back on to uh, semi-clothed women on social media. Somebody said it was a 4chan app, and to me, this this is the funniest thing. If if you can add the if you can add the clothes back onto the women online. Now, uh, what I love about this is how much work somebody put into the joke. Yeah, because I don't really see people using it. You know, I can't really imagine anybody's going to say, you know, I'd like to spend some time today putting clothes on women online. But the fact that it actually works and that it's a real thing and that somebody spent all that time to build it, that's the story. The story is about one, probably one, intrepid autist who just said, you know what? I'll bet I could put women back on, I bet I could put clothes back on these women. And then, then he built it. <laughs> I assume it's a guy. All right, so um, I tried to watch a new series. I thought I was going to recommend it to you today. Uh, on Netflix, it's called Alexander. It's uh, Alexander the Great. Have any of you made the mistake of trying to watch that? <laughs> you know what I said to myself? I said to myself, great. It was uh, sort of a documentary movie. And it was going to be about Alexander the Great. And I had a lot of curiosity about Alexander the Great because I don't know too much on that topic. And I thought, oh, this would be interesting. I like my dictators and stuff. And then I thought, finally, I'm going to watch a show that doesn't have any wokeness in it because it's about you know ancient times. And they can't really change the ethnicities of the people because it wouldn't be very, wouldn't be very uh, you know, accurate. Well, it took about uh, 60 seconds into the miniseries before it turned into Brokeback Mountain, (laughs) Alexander the Great version. (laughs) I swear to God, they turned it into a gay love story. And the Alexander the Great is making out with his boyfriend like 60 seconds into the fucking uh, thing. Now, I don't have any problem with the gay part, but I also don't like watching heterosexuals have intimate moments in a TV show or movie because I get that it's you know sort of building up who their character is, but that's always the throwaway scene. Okay, there are people, they're kissing. 
I guess that I'm supposed to feel their love as an important part of the story, but they don't really need to kiss. They don't need to have sex right in front of me. They could just be holding hands. They could just say nice things to each other. I get it. I'll, I'll piece it together. And, you know, I'm not a prude. I'm, I'm about as far away as you can get from being a prude. It's just unnecessary entertainment. Because it's never like turning you on, right? Like, I don't get turned on watching a heterosexual couple make out. I just think, well, you know, I wouldn't mind if that were me, maybe, replacing the guy, just in case you wondered which one I was going to replace in that scene. And uh, I just don't need to see it. I feel like it's uh, lazy writing. I guess that's what it is. You know, I'm a professional writer, sort of. So when I see lazy writing, I just go, oh, not another chase scene, not, not, not somebody tied to a chair to be tortured, not 10 minutes of watching somebody be sweeter than people are in, in real life. And they're always like sickeningly sweeter than real life. It's like, ugh. Anyway. Well, here's a evergreen story I'm going to keep bringing up because it keeps helping people. But I keep seeing more evidence from people online that they've experimented with quitting wheat and had tremendous you know, weight loss and inflammation loss and all their pain went away and they became more flexible. And that was my experience. And I've, I've recommended that this is the one thing, well, not the one thing, but it's one thing you could really easily test, meaning you could just try going a month. I think a month is a good number. A month without any wheat. But you, you really have to go cold turkey. You know, don't just cut down. I don't think that makes a difference. I think you just have to go no wheat, but also check the ingredients on packages. You know, because you could easily get yourself a, you know, a pizza or something and forget that that's wheat. So you have to go to zero, which is not terrible. You could do it for a month. But just see how you feel. My, my total overall uh, health tremendously better after a month off of wheat, and I've stayed off wheat. So I had, I had a type of inflammation that was my entire body all the time. So if I exercised, it just hurt, just always hurt. It just went away. And the only thing I changed was taking the wheat out of my diet. So give it a try. A lot of people say it's making a big difference to them. Um, Tim Pool had a good point about Joe Rogan's alleged $250 million Spotify deal that allows him to be on other platforms like X, apparently. <clears throat> but uh, as Tim Pool points out, if somebody like Spotify is going to double down on Joe Rogan, it kind of proves that that style of entertainment uh, has an economic value that looks like it's lasting. So although people might complain, people, you know, people on the left might complain that Joe Rogan is so popular and his guests say things they think are not true and provocative, but apparently there's a market for it, a big market. And so I'd agree with Tim Poole that this does suggest that the powers that be are going to recognize the alternative voices, if you can call it that, um, have value. And I think it's probably probably the biggest symbol of a gigantic change in the media landscape 
where the uh, traditional media just looks like a joke and the non-traditional media is becoming the traditional media. Do you know when was the last time I looked at a news site? Or <laughs> I just don't do it anymore. It's just not where I get the news. Pretty much all the news I want to get filtered through somebody who knows more than the people who reported the news. You know what is bad news? Not bad news as in unlucky news, but a bad form of news is you go to any any media site and then you just read the story. That's not even a left or right thing. That's just the worst thing you could do. <laughs> just go to any media site and read the story. Do you know what's a good form? Go to Glenn Greenwald's uh, X feed and see what he says about the story in that media. Because he's going to add the context. Oh, here's the stuff they left out. Here's the stuff they're lying to you about. Here's the fact that's already been debunked. So if you show me today's news just from the original site, it's just worthless. Absolutely worthless. But if you show me that same story and you let a you know a Mike Cernovich or a Glenn Greenwald or uh, Michael Schellenberger, you know, Matt Taibbi, I could list 20 more. If you let them filter it first, the people who feel they have something to add to the story or subtract from it, then you might have something. Then you might have something. But if you're seeing it just on the news site, you're probably just misleading yourself because the news is all motivated. You know, they'll show you what they want to show you and leave out what they want to leave out because they think they have a certain kind of audience and maybe other reasons. Well, Elon Musk continues to be entertaining on his own platform. Uh, he suggested that, uh, well, he said this in a post, should I make the Texas Institute of Technology and Science real? In other words, should he you know, just create a college? Now, the, the reason he asked is because the acronym for Texas Institute of Technology and Science would be TITS. <laughs> so he's willing to create a college because it would be a funny... <laughs> A naughty pun. Now, how much money do you have to have before you're willing to create a college just for the pun? Now, I'm sure you'd have other reasons for doing it, but I feel like the pun is a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't love that more, frankly. Uh, and then he said, uh, it would, of course, have advanced social studies, too. Advanced social studies, ASS. Oh, so he would build the uh, Institute of Tits and Ass. I could not love this more. I couldn't love it more. I, I don't name anything I would like more than this. You start with just the basic story. The idea that Elon Musk could get involved designing a, a institution of higher learning. I'm already on board, all right? I'm not just on board. I'm like jumping up and down on board, really? Elon Musk might want to solve the biggest problem in the United States and maybe the world that our education system, you know, morphed into something horrible and maybe he could fix it because he seems to be good at fixing stuff. I mean, that alone would be amazing, but if he names it something obscene, well, I couldn't love it more. I could not love it more. Well, a famous rapper and uh, actor of 50 Cent uh, is coming out a little bit pro-Trump. He says uh, maybe Trump is the answer because he's blasting New York uh, Mayor Eric Adams and you know he's not so happy about the migrant crisis. So he said uh, 
you know, he's just like, I don't even understand all this stuff. He says, uh, he can't, I can't explain this. He's talking about the migrant crisis in New York. Can't explain this. I'm stuck. Maybe Trump is the answer. So there you go. Now, how many, how many black voters do you think will actually consider Trump? I worry that I'm in a bubble, and just because a few notable people like Snoop Dogg recently said a positive Trump thing, um, how much of a bubble am I in? Is this a real thing? Because I feel like I don't want to get ahead of the reality. I feel like there's certainly some prominent people who have said pro-Trump things that you didn't expect. That's real. But I don't know if they represent much in the public. You know, I don't know if this is a 2% change or a 5% change or what this is. But I will dovetail this into my story about, uh, you all know that, you know, it wasn't long ago that the great replacement theory that uh, the immigrants were being brought into the country to replace Americans. And usually it's white Americans who think they're the ones getting replaced. So that's the theory. I'm not saying that I buy into that theory. I'll just say it exists. But Elon Musk is uh, buying into it hard, uh, at least in its current form, which is the open borders. And there does seem to be plenty of solid evidence that there are people who are doing this for political reasons. Um, And I think we can now say, oh, yeah, that this has at least one of the reasons, I don't know how many reasons there are, but at least one of the reasons is to change the, um, the voting mix so that Democrats win forever. And Elon Musk is saying that out loud. Um, apparently Arizona is literally trying to do that right now. Arizona is trying to make it so that uh, there's a, a push to make it legal for uh, non-citizens in Arizona to vote only in the presidential election. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That they only wanted to vote in the presidential election. That's literally just about Trump. <laughs> and you know, maybe the future, but uh, that's pretty obvious. Um, Ann Coulter points out that back in the 90s, I guess there was some Democrat who was saying it directly. If we open up uh, immigration, um, I think during the Kennedy time, there was talk about using immigration to increase the percentage of Democrats. So Democrats have been talking about immigration as a way to gain power since Kennedy. And in writing, you know, in a way that we can verify this is an actual conversation. Now, I had my take on it prior to the Biden administration is that although there was a lot of you know, illegal immigration, I didn't really think people were doing it primarily for that. You know, I always thought it was more economic, you know, both economic on the migrants' parts, but also economic on America's part because we needed workers, and it was just sort of a sketchy way to do it, to get them. But now I, now I fully buy in at the current rate, and given that the administration is clearly letting people in intentionally. <laughs> you know, there, there's certainly no more uh, mystery about whether they can't do it oh, there's no way we can stop them because of the laws and I don't have any power. Even Bill Maher was mocking on his show uh, Friday night, was mocking the people 
who don't understand that Biden could stop the border invasion anytime he wanted. Like even, and, and the important part here is that Bill Maher, you know, deep in TDS on a lot of issues, has found his way out, at least on the border issue, right? He, that doesn't make him pro-Trump. But he certainly understands that Trump was right on the border. And that's, that's pretty big. So, yeah, I, I think at this point we can say it's exactly what it looks like. It's a play to tip the, uh, you know, maybe tip Texas, which would be the big one, maybe Florida. But I love the fact that uh, Texas's response is to ship them to places that were already so blue that it made no difference to any elections. That's pretty clever. Not just to ship them to places that you know can share the pain, but to ship them to places where they're electorally irrelevant. It's pretty smart. Send them all to New York and Chicago, and you don't lose anything vote-wise. But what I'm wondering is, will the Democrats gain enough voters from immigration, illegal immigration, will they gain enough Democrat voters to make up for the number of black voters they're going to lose? What do you think? I don't know. Because I feel like black voters are largely locked in, because everybody is. You know, it it takes... You know, just a miracle for anybody to change who they vote for. But some. If I had to guess, there might be a 10% movement in the black vote towards Trump. Maybe 10% tops. So you got 10% of uh, 13% of the country. right? Maybe 1.3% difference. Could be enough to change the vote. But then what about the illegals? So you got... 10 million illegals. Uh, let's say you've got 10 million extra. We might have 25 million, who knows. But if you had 10 million illegals, how many of them are going to vote? I don't know. So you got, you know, there's not that, well, let's say it's about the same number. Let's say the illegals and the number of legal, you know, black citizens of America are roughly the same. Are they? Are they about the same? I think it's in the same neighborhood. No, it's not the same. Number, um, well, immigration isn't 25% of the country. All right, so we'll argue a little bit about the numbers, but my question is, does anybody understand the, the push and the pull, the net of this? Because I'm not 100% convinced that Democrats net out positive. What do you think? I think that all it would take is one good narrative to just take 25% of the black vote. And the narrative would be, you just say what they say. By the way, this is the best persuasion. The best persuasion is you don't sit in a room by yourself and say, what can I say that will make a difference with whatever group you're trying to persuade? That could work, but it would be very difficult to you know, think, see into their minds. But when you see uh, black people being interviewed on the media and they're asked about Trump versus Biden, what's the one thing that they always say? They always say when they're talking about Trump versus Biden. The one thing they always say. Lately. I'll I'll say lately because it's changed. Every time it's, I made more money under Trump. 
every time. How many of the uh, black citizens that you've been you've seen interviewed said uh, they don't like Trump because he's a racist? This year, in the past year, how many times have you seen a black citizen, not a pundit, I'm not talking about somebody who does it professional, actually zero. <laughs> the, the, the dog that's not barking there is not barking really loud. Isn't that weird? Can, can you find me a citizen who's not a professional, not a pundit, and let's say not an academic, you know, not somebody who writes and talks for a living, just an actual citizen, and just ask them if they think that Trump is a racist compared to Biden. That, that would be the fair question, is compared to Biden. I feel like blacks get it now in the sense that Trump was always protecting Americans, and they're American. That's the end of the story, right? The, the Trump point of view is so simple, I'm surprised it's taking this long to catch on. Are you American? I'm on your side. And then he proves it by keeping the non-Americans out if he can do it so that you're not competing with them. I feel like black America uh, is one narrative away. And, and even though I say this jokingly, it's literally true in a sort of indirect way, it's literally true, that the immigrant situation has eliminated the possibility of reparations. Would you agree? Now, you might say to yourself, well, Scott, there's still that one place that's going to do it anyway. And that's probably true. But that conversation is largely tabled, in my opinion, because of the money we're spending on the, the migrant population. Now, you could say to yourself, but Scott, didn't you tell us that money is fungible and that's not how it works? And just because you're spending money on one thing, that doesn't mean you couldn't spend money on the other thing if you wanted to. You know, you could always run up your debt, whatever. And that's true. But we don't treat it that way in the real world. In the real world, we treat it like it's a limit, even though it's not. So if I were black and I thought the country owed me more, be it better education, you know, some kind of change in urban laws or policing or something, if I thought I wanted something and I saw that 100% of the attention of all the authorities in the government is to, to the migrant class, which is what it feels like, it's not the case, but it feels like that, I'd be... I'd be voting Trump so fast. But I can't put myself in the heads of other people, so I guess we'll just have to find out how that goes. Um, here's some updates. Nikki Haley was on Saturday Night Live. I guess she played uh, somebody in the audience who just asked a question of the person who was playing a Trump person. And the thing that caught me was that her... Uh, her thing on Saturday Night Live was to mock Trump, of course. And then she tweeted, you know, that Trump probably doesn't stay up that late, but, you know, he'll be tweeting angry things at her when he sees, he sees Saturday Night Live. And I thought, do you not know anything about Trump? <laughs> the one thing we know about him for sure is he, he does stay up late. Like, that's like saying he doesn't golf. Did, did you not notice he, he kind of golfs? And he also stays up late. So that was a, kind of a weird uh, thing to say about him. 
But here's what I got out of that. Nikki Haley only exists because Trump exists. Doesn't it feel like that? Now, you can imagine if there was never a Trump that she may have you know, risen in politics anyway because she's uh, capable. But I feel her entire existence is only based on Trump. She's defined by Trump. What a terrible place to be. <laughs> Isn't that a terrible place to be in life? That, that, you, that who you are is defined by another person you don't even like. You're, you're not even defined by your own anything. You just, well, compared to Trump. So that's just a weird situation. Well, Harvard is still stupid. Uh, they've invited a, a radical Palestinian speaker um, who has defended the Hamas uh, massacres. <laughs> so, so Harvard's actually got a speaker who said something along the lines of, uh, October 7th was totally normal, and you know you got to expect people to defend themselves. That's, that's what she said. And they're like, well, that'd be a good speaker. Now... Do I think that she should be allowed to speak? Absolutely. Absolutely, free speech. Do I think that this is a good decision by Harvard? Well, it doesn't seem like it, because I'm pretty sure they wouldn't allow the competing message to be there. Or if it was, there would be so many protests that you know, it would turn into a mess. So yeah, that's a little bit of a problem. A little bit of a problem managing their reputation. So Harvard still looks stupid. Uh, but maybe not as stupid as my state. There's a story in the San Francisco Chronicle, which uh, used to be a newspaper. I don't know what it is now. <laughs> but the, the San Francisco Chronicle was the, the last big paper to pick up Dilbert. They just weren't convinced. They just couldn't be convinced. Yeah, They, they wanted to hold out. Anyway, so the Chronicle is garbage. But anyway, they report that uh, Hayward, town just down the street from me, says that uh, they had an elementary school that was struggling with their low test scores. So in order to, uh, to help things, they spent $250,000 of federal money for an organization called, and I swear to God, this is the actual name of the organization, Woke Kindergarten to train teachers to confront white supremacy, disrupt racism and oppression, and remove these barriers to learning. So that was their response to the low test scores, is to teach the uh, students to be more uh, aware of white supremacy. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, wow, that probably helped their test scores, huh? So let's check in on the test scores, because once they've addressed and confronted white supremacy, I would expect those test scores to, to start zooming up to the sky, and update is, um, oh, hmm. Yeah, the test scores went down. Well, nobody saw that coming. I mean, how, how could you even see that coming, really? I mean, because if people are stupid, I thought the antidote to stupidity was more wokeness. Am I wrong? Did I have that wrong the whole time? That if your kids are not performing, they're not woke enough, and maybe it's the white supremacy that they haven't fully confronted? It made so much sense to me, I'm surprised it didn't work. Because on paper, on paper it looks so right. Have you noticed that? These good plans on paper? 
for example, take our border situation. On paper, the idea of opening your borders and rewarding people from all over the, all over the country that we can't vet by the, by the multi-millions, on paper, that seems like a terrific idea. But then, you know, sometimes reality gets in the way. And it's not really working out in reality. But on paper, doesn't that sound good? Let all the strangers in from the prisons and anywhere without checking full of... I mean, on paper, it sounds great. So you can understand why you get caught by surprise. Yeah, and weirdly, woke kindergarten didn't make as much difference as, as it does on paper. I mean, on paper, it seems like a good idea. Um, how about the uh, military action over there? Well, again, you tell me, is this not a great idea? So we got this problem with the Houthis and the proxies, you know, attacking American, uh, American interests overseas. I don't know if there are interests, but we have people there. And the Biden administration draws up this plan. Now, I think you'd agree with me that on paper this makes sense that we don't want a war with Iran, so in order to get them to surrender, we will bomb things that Iran doesn't care about until Iran surrenders. So that's what we've done. So we're going to bomb Syria and Iraq and maybe Yemen until Iran just surrenders. Now, you tell me, isn't that a good plan, at least on paper? So why it hasn't worked already, I'm a little bit puzzled. Because I'm thinking, we've bombed all these empty buildings in other countries, and Iran is acting like nothing even happened. Uh, like I, well, how, did even, how do you understand the world anymore? It's so confusing. You have such good plans on paper, and then you implement them, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on, that you in, can implement such logical good plans and still get a bad result? Anyway, I just don't get it. Well, Tucker Carlson is uh, in Russia, apparently. People assume, it's probably a pretty good assumption, that he's there to talk to Putin. But couldn't he also be talking to Snowden? Or Tara Reid? I think she's there now. Um, yeah, but I'm going to guess Putin. Now, there's a backstory that Tucker call, talks about that uh, once before he got canceled, he was, he was considering interviewing Putin. And he, apparently the uh, government was well aware of it, even though he didn't tell anybody. And he, he believes that they were into his encrypted signal app. Now, I don't know if that's how they found out, because they don't have to get into the signal app. Um, there's other ways they can do it. They could do it through your phone. They could find out somebody else who knows something. There are other ways to do it. So I don't know if they got into a signal app, but let me tell you again, if you believe there's such a thing as encrypted communication so that you can say things that you wouldn't say normally, don't put anything in an encrypted message <laughs> that's illegal, ever. There's no such thing as a message the government can't get. In fact, if you were the CIA, the first thing you do is you take over these little encrypted apps because that's where all the good stuff is. It's the first thing you do is you would get control of any company that was trying to put all the crooks in one place, right? Wouldn't you go there first? <laughs> you would stop at nothing 
to have full control of encrypted apps because that's where all the good stuff is. Is it now? Is is that? Let me let me explain it to you in uh, in the narrative that I'm trying to use here. On paper, doesn't that sound like a good idea? You're going to take this encrypted app and you'll attract all the people who have things to say that they don't want the government to hear, and you're going to organize them so that their names and user numbers and all their messages will be in one place, really easy to find. But don't worry, because it's encrypted. Don't worry. Government can't get there because it's encrypted. Now, you see any problem with that? Does anybody see a problem that the CIA can co-opt any management it wants? Do you think there's do you think there's a leader of a company somewhere in America who can say no to the CIA? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, do you really think anybody can say no to the CIA? No, if the CIA wants you you to d- cooperate, whether they do it through legal means or carrot and stick or, you know, because the CIA can come into a company and they can say, for example, you know, I know your whole business model revolves around these encrypted apps, but we really need to know what the terrorists are saying, so we're going to need access to that. Oh, no, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. Really? Because, you know, there's probably a federal organization that could shut you down, Uh, and then they'll list three organizations that could just wave some paperwork and they're out of business. I'm not saying I'd do it, but I do have a friend in this or that organization that would probably want to look into your business and uh, maybe your tax situation and when was the last time you were audited. And now now the CEO is scared to death. And then the CIA says, and you know, what would really help you is we've got some legislation that's cooking, and wouldn't you like to see that go away? Because that could cost you a lot of money. And uh, there might be some government contracts. Oh, we had the 34-minute glitch. There might be some uh, government contracts that would you know, triple the size of your company and make you richer than God, but you know, only, only if the government's sort of on your side and you're playing along with the government, right? So I don't think there's any such thing as a American company that the CIA can't control. Do you think that's a thing? Do you think there's any such thing as an American company that can't be controlled completely by our intelligence people? I mean, it might exist as some kind of weird exception, but in general, there's no way you can resist them. So, on paper, doesn't it sound like a good idea to put all the crooks in one place in a little encrypted place so you know exactly where the government's going to look and the government absolutely, definitely, 100% could get access to anything they want if it's an American company? Sounds great on paper, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it's the worst idea in the world on paper. It couldn't possibly work. In the long run, it can't possibly work. You get that, right? Is there anybody pushing back on that? In the short run, it might actually work. In the long run, the intelligence agencies have to have access to it, and they'll do whatever it takes, and they have the power to do whatever it takes until they get it. You know, They can keep hammering on it for years until they get it. But there's nothing they're not going to get if they need it. You all know that, right? All right. 
I love when I see Sam Harris is trending on X because I know it's just going to be a bunch of people insulting his intelligence. <laughs> and I, I've decided to find entertainment in it. Here, here's what you'd never see if Sam Harris is trending on X. Oh, look, I wonder what that's all about. Click. Wow, some people are saying some good things about Sam Harris. Well, there, there's a good take. Yeah, I can see why he's trending now. He's got a good take on that topic. <laughs> Not lately. <laughs> Poor guy. He's just getting shit on by absolutely everybody on X. I don't see anybody supporting him at this point. Now, that has more to do with the X platform. Um, but even uh, Elon Musk, <laughs> Elon Musk posted today because there's yet another Sam Harris clip that people are calling stupid. He says, uh, Elon Musk says, Sam Harris's mind has melted into goo. <laughs> How would you like to wake up in the morning and find out that the smartest man in the country and the richest just, just insulted the quality of your brain uh, on the platform that he owns? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it's funny. All right. So, um, two stories. California's got these hurricane-force winds that are supposed to be coming. Uh, at my house, apparently my force field is holding because I just got a little sprinkle of rain that we needed. So, I don't know where all this flooding and hurricane rains are going to be, but they say somewhere in the state. Um, now, of course, you also know the story about the, uh, the migrants who beat up the cop in New York City. And then, allegedly, they got on a bus and headed to my state, California. Yeah. And they went to San Jose, where they were immediately swept away by a flood and a hurricane. No, that didn't happen, but you wish it did, because you're, you're bastards. You're all terrible. All right. Um, I asked my smart Democrat friend, who I often mention, because he fascinates me because he's you know smart and he follows the news, but his opinions look like somebody who's not smart and has never followed the news. You know, it's just the worst case of TDS you've ever seen in your life. So I use him to test things. I checked in with him recently because I wondered how in the world he could not be like 50 Cent and Snoop Dogg at this point, right? And say, you know, the open borders and all that stuff, well, you're going to have to give Trump a second look, right? But I thought, I thought by now, surely, my smart Democrat friend would say, okay, you know, Biden did a few good things I liked. I would expect that. I'd expect him to say that. And then, but you know, you know, given his age and the open borders and the wars we're getting into, I got to admit, maybe Trump got a few things right as well. That's what I was expecting. You know what he said? I'm paraphrasing. But he told me I should spend more time reading the New York Times instead of all that fake news uh, that the Republicans are feeding me. Yep. How's that feel in your bubble? <laughs> yeah, we're all in a bubble. Let, let's not pretend that my friend is the only person in a bubble. We're all in a bubble, and I'm definitely in a bubble. And let me, let me tell you how bad my bubble is. 
I don't know any Democrats in person. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure I do, because yeah, my friend, but I haven't seen him in a long time. Right? And I'm trying to I'm trying to think the last time I had a meaningful conversation with a Democrat uh, who wasn't actually so insane that I just backed off right away. Because, you know, you, you get the insanity thing right away. You know, the, the TDS just goes right to the top right away. So you just go, oh, oh, back down. Uh, how many have had this situation where somebody will say, blah, 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 the insurrection of January 6th, and you'll say, that was no insurrection. They didn't bring guns, and, you know, you, you do your thing about how the media is fake, and they won't back down from the insurrection thing. Anybody who believes the insurrection hoax or the fine people hoax, cannot be dealt with. You can't have a conversation. <laughs> all, all they will do is shout at you for how brainwashed you are. They won't even listen to the end of a sentence. It'll be, oh, what, 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 what are you reading that? Uh, listen to that Alex Jones thing again? Well, you must have got that from Alex Jones. Right, that's all you get. All right, some people are asking, is AI getting worse? <laughs> Does anybody have that experience? Uh, like uh, ChatGPT, where it seems like it's less useful than it used to be? So a number of people are saying that. It's anecdotal. But uh, somebody had an interesting hypothesis. I'll just put that out there. I don't know if this makes sense technically, but it's close enough to something that does. Could it be that the demand for the AI service is so big that they're having a processing problem? Could, could we be reaching some kind of computing temporary limit that's just making AI dumber? I saw some people speculating about that. I feel like it might have some impact, but I would think it would have more impact on the timing of the answer than the quality of the answer. But it could be that there's a processing problem that's making it dumber. I don't know that. I, but I'll tell you my own experience. Um, I keep telling myself I'm going to jump into AI and force myself to learn it and use it because, you know, for sure I'm going to be using it in the future. I, I just want to get a head start on it, you know, make sure I'm using all the tools in the best way. I can't find anything useful. Like I keep thinking, oh, I'm going to find a thing that you know works for what I do, and then I'll just keep using the thing because it'll be so useful I can't not use it, you know, like, like a smartphone. I have not found that yet. I've done quite a few things, but I can't use it to look for information, right? Oh, well, actually, I think I'll just read you my Sunday comic today. If you're not a subscriber, you haven't seen it. But uh, I handle this in a Dilbert comic that you can see on if you subscribe on the X platform or if you uh, are on Locals, you can see it. So I'm just going to read it to you. It's uh, Mordak, the preventer of information services, and he's, he uh, comes into the room to talk to, to Dilbert. And Mordak says, I've been asked to ensure we have proper safeguards on the AI you are creating. So here I'm imagining that Dilbert is creating an AI for his company. All right, so he wants some safeguards. And Dilbert says, such as? And Mordak says, 
well, you don't want any sexual content or fake news. And Dilber says, right. And Bordek says, and you don't want AI to be a bigot. And Dilber says, obviously. And Bordek says, you don't want AI to have opinions. And it has to stay away from facts, too, because it hallucinates. And Dilber says, good point. Mordek says, you also don't want it to get into politics, religion, socialism, or capitalism. And then Dilber says, what's left? Just the weather and math? And Mordek says, weather and math are racist concepts. And Dilber says, I quit. Now, how far is that from reality? It's pretty close to reality, isn't it? You can't use it for fiction because then you're a plagiarist. You can't use it for facts because it hallucinates. You can't use it for opinions because opinions are too provocative. So if you can't use it for fiction, facts, or opinions, what's left? The weather, which you don't need it for, or math that you don't need it for? <laughs> I guess it's good for writing code. Yeah, it's good for translating. Also excellent for translating. I, I think that uh, I love the fact that we've actually uh, invented a universal translator. Very Star Trekian. One of the things you'll be able to do with your uh, someday when you have your uh, Apple Vision Pro AR glasses, you'll be able to uh, watch somebody talk a different language and it will immediately show up as a transcript floating in front of you. How amazing is that? You could actually go to a foreign country, and well, you couldn't talk, but you could understand what they were saying. But suppose you were hearing impaired. You could also talk to somebody and have it appear, and then being hearing impaired just disappears. It just stops being a thing. Yeah, the, the technology for the hearing impaired is just so exciting. If you know anybody who's got hearing issues, it's an exciting time to be alive. Very life-changing. So I do think AI is going to have all these uh, niche uh, things that change people's lives. That's a good example of one. So the coders and the people with hearing problems and a lot more are going to be real happy. But for the average person who's doing average stuff, it is so far a little too difficult and clunky to use. But it'll get there. We might only be a few months away from all of the interfaces being fine and you know the, the tools being really good. All right. Um, there's an update on Ukraine. So Mike Cernovich had an opinion he posted today. He said, uh, my sense of Ukraine is the American people didn't fall for the hoaxes. The regime is, is at a level of power now that they don't need to hoax the public into conflict, as with the Iraq wars. They stole the money and said, be glad you're not in prison like the J6ers. Does that sound like a fair summary of our current situation? That the regime, the, go the government is now so powerful that they can just do what they want right in front of you and they don't have to give you a narrative and make you believe it. I think that's only partially true. It's true-ish. Here's what I think. I, I don't think it's about the uh, not needing to brainwash. I think that they successfully brainwashed two-thirds of the country. 
So the one-third that was not brainwashed doesn't have any power because they're, you know, they, they don't control the government. So I don't think it's that they do or do, don't need to brainwash. I think they have brainwashed again. It's just that they don't need to brainwash everybody anymore. They only need to brainwash two-thirds. And then the other third, they'll just call uh, white supremacists and just say that we're hoaxed. <laughs> and we're hoaxing each other. <clears throat> That's all they need. All right. Um, Thomas Massey is uh, opposed to the House bill that would give $14 billion to Israel. And his reasoning is this. <clears throat> Israel has a lower debt-to-GDP ratio than the United States. And we're done. I don't need to hear anything else. Whoever has the lowest debt ratio should be the one paying, period. <laughs> if you're not taking on as much debt as we are in this country, why are we giving you money? I, I get that we're on the same side, but they're, in theory, their ability to generate money is the same as ours because they can borrow more money until their debt ratio is higher. That's what we did. Why can't they do what we did to create money? They're in better shape to do it than we are. Now, but here's the mind blower of this whole thing. Do, do you want to have your head just go, just completely explode? How long have we been talking about the funding of Israel for the Hamas situation? It's been since October 7th, basically. Talking, talking, talking. Politicians, pundits, experts, military experts, a lot of people talking. How many of you are hearing for the first time that Israel has a better debt-to-GDP ratio than the United States? How many are hearing that fact for the first time right now? Yeah. So you're hearing for the first time the only fact that was relevant to the question. There wasn't any other relevant question. And who did it come from? You know, Thomas Massey. Why was it Thomas Massey who had to tell you this? Well, apparently there's a, there's a trend that's uh, being created that the only honest person in Congress is Thomas Massey. Once again, he found the only thing that mattered, and he's the only person who told you in the government. What is wrong? <laughs> is everything broken? Like, is just everything broken? Because the media should have been telling you that every time the conversation came up. Every single time the funding came up, somebody should have said, and, you know, the situation is that they have a better, you know, debt-to-GDP ratio than we do. How does that not become the first thing you say on this topic? Well, some of it is that people don't understand economics. And even when I say debt to GDP, there'll be a number of you who are saying, hmm, I'm not sure what that means. What it means is that uh, Israel could borrow money easier, more easily than the United States. They have better credit, essentially. Now, there's more to it than the ratio. You know, it would be the yeah, their their long-term prospects, the risk involved. You know, there's other things, but I just think we should be hard no to giving money to have anybody who has a better debt to GDP ratio. 
that they should be giving us money. <laughs> Literally. Anyway, so I remind you that I'm uh, fully supportive of Israel doing what it needs to do. Um, I just don't think they need to do it with our money. That's a separate question. And by the way, <clears throat> this is a good uh, little general lesson. In the world of financing, and this is hard to understand the first time you hear it, you should separate the question of whether you do something or not from the question of how to pay for it. And that's completely counterintuitive, isn't it? It's counterintuitive. Because you say, but wait, the ability to pay for it, that's like central to the question of whether you do it. The, the most basic question is, can you pay for it? And how? Otherwise, it's not even in the mix. Nope. Nope. Do it the other way. Now, in business, the reason you do that is that first you have to decide what a good idea looks like, and then secondly, if it's a good idea, you can always get it funded. In the business world, you know, the established business world, this is different from a startup, but in the established business world, you can almost always get money for a good idea. You can borrow it, you could you know, issue some more stock, you could take it from another part of the company that didn't need it as much. But in the real world of a big company, and again, just limiting this to big companies, you can always find the money one way or another if it's a good idea. If it's not a good idea, then you don't need money either way. So first you say, is it a good idea? And then separately you figure out, can you pay for it? Um, so the, but with the Israel funding, we haven't done that. We should have said, is it a good idea for Israel to do what it's doing and for us to like it and support it? Let's say you, let's say you decided yes. Separately, then you say, well, how would they fund that? But I think we, we put it together. It's like, do we support Israel? Well, then we give them money, right? Support is money. Got to support them with their money. We, we've conflated two things that should properly be not just in the same conversation, but you should force them apart. They should be forced apart. And then you have, it's more, it's a cleaner way to, ana to analyze something. Just treat the financing as a, a separate question. And that is what Thomas Massey is doing. And Thomas Massey, again, proves that he's just about the only useful person in Congress who's telling you the truth and, and looking at the important stuff. You know, in the, in the same way that I tell you that when I see that, uh, the, that uh, Bill Maher is trending, do you know what I think? I think, oh, Bill Maher is trending on X because he said something that's common sense that will be shocking to Democrats. Sure enough, Sam Harris is trending, as I said, and I, I know it's going to be about people calling him stupid for some TDS opinion. Sure enough, right? But then you see Thomas Massey trending. It's almost always because he's the only person who told you the truth, and he's the only person who figured out what was important. <laughs> the, the trend is really solid. Like, the, Massey's never trending because he was stupid. Ever. That's always the better idea. And people are like, oh, hadn't thought of it that way. That's actually smart. So I guess there's uh, been over 30 attacks on the Houthis in Yemen. Does anybody have the same curiosity that I have? 
How many hooties are there? <laughs> How hard is it to destroy all of Hootieville? I mean, seriously, you look at a picture of it, there's not even a tree that they can hide behind. There's not even bushes. It's basically just a big forest with a bunch of hoodies on trucks with missiles and shit. How long does it take to kill them all? I'm, I'm not saying we should. I'm just saying, are there millions? Hundreds? Tens of thousands who are armed and have missiles? I feel like finding the missiles shouldn't be that hard. You know, assuming we have surveillance on them. It's not like they have a lot of cloudy days. We should be able to see what's happening over there pretty easily. I feel like what we need is a swarm approach where we just identify all the targets with satellites or whatever, and then we just send 20,000 drones over and they all blow up one different thing. We'll get there. But at the moment, our idea of sending 36 missiles into Yemen seems like it wouldn't make no difference whatsoever. And they're, yeah, and they're still, uh, and they're still attacking, so it didn't make any difference. So there you are. The Houthis are still blowing ships. There's a lot more Houthis than you would guess. How many are there? I'd ask uh, AI, but it would lie to me. There are millions, but how many of them are uh, military? Estimated 200,000 200, fighters? Or 200,000 population? I just don't know if there's... Is, that a, is Yemen highly populated? Or is it sparsely populated? I don't even know that. Uh... Anything that moves, we've got persistent surveillance, all right. 40 million hoodies and 200,000 uh, fighters. Well, that sounds like a problem. Wouldn't it make more sense just to uh, stop telling Saudi Arabia to leave them alone? Didn't we tell Saudi Arabia to calm down and stop fighting the hoodies? Yeah. Wouldn't it be better for America to say, you know, you guys have a lot of money and you got a lot of weapons we sold to you. Wouldn't it be good if you... Um, yeah, wouldn't that be good? Anyway, apparently the Saudis can't stop it either. Yeah, and uh, Darius Rucker was arrested for marijuana in Tennessee. Really? You can get arrested for marijuana in Tennessee? You know, Tennessee and Texas are just so close to being acceptable. But you're going to have to fix that marijuana stuff. Otherwise, I just can't visit. I'm sorry. All right. Obama helped Saudi attack Yemen as an apology for the Rand deal. <laughs> That's what you think? Maybe. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe I've done everything I need to do on this fine Sunday. I don't know what you're doing if you're not watching football, but I'm sure you'll find something to do. If you're in California, make sure you stay out of the floods and the hurricane winds they tell us are coming, the Pineapple Express. And 
I will talk to you tomorrow on the X platform and Rumble and YouTube. Thanks for joining.